1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: coming up on this week's episode i compare flagship level android smartphones i start replaying another star wars video game and i watch a director's cut version of a film that's not really a director's cut What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Headphones Neil Reviews. I'm your host, as always, Headphones Neil, bringing you this week's recap of. Android Star Wars and review content that I wanted to share. So for this week's Android news, I didn't actually get a chance to prep a actual app review or anything like that. I am actually currently in the process of um, going through Lineage OS 19.1 for the OnePlus Plus Five T. It is an unofficial version, so I wanted. So as a bit of a side update, aside from the main topic for today, um, it is actually running as close to an, um, the Pixel version of Android you can get aside from having a Pixel 6 Pro. So I wanna play around with it a little bit and get used to some of where everything's at on Lineage OS, as far as a custom ROM goes, before I review it. So look out for that potentially coming soon. Otherwise, when I get a chance to finish looking through it, I'll do a brief comparison to the Pixel 6 Pro, as far as if you're thinking about ROMing your device. But that being said, for this week's Android topic, I actually wanted to talk about something, or as far as answer a question that I get asked a lot, as far as which flagship Android smartphone uh, user should by whether you're upgrading from a prior Android phone or you're coming new to the smartphone scene or you're switching to iOS or switching from iOS or whatever your special case may be. So in this particular topic, I'll be comparing the Google Pixel 6 Pro versus the OnePlus 9 and 10 Pros the, and comparing that to the Samsung Galaxy S22. This will all definitely assume that you have about the $800 to $1,000 to spend on um, any one of the devices. Um, and of course, for the Galaxy S series, assuming you can spend up to the about thirteen dollars or $1,400 to max it out. Um, so as far as the um, specs go, for each phone, you're getting approximately the same specs on each device. I want to say for each one there's minor differences as far as one having something better or worse than the other so for example with the google 6 or the pixel 6 pro you have a equivalent camera sensor to the other two devices probably closest to the one plus nine and ten but it does come with better um camera or a better um, software processing system. With the OnePlus 9 and 10, you do have the uh, partnership with Hasselblad, so their cameras are approximately equivalent. Um, in the time I did use a Pixel 6 Pro, I did find that it's easier to take quicker shots with the Pixel 6 Pro, but if you have time to focus your shots and actually think about it for you know five to 10 seconds, then the OnePlus uh, 9 um, series is a little bit better. Um, I have not used the Samsung Galaxy S series, but I actually think based on reading the specs and reviews and things like that, it does have the biggest sensors among the two devices, better apertures and focus and things like that. And It mixes that along the lines with its software processing to come up with the best camera you can get, supposedly. Um, but that is, of course, assuming not having, or that's, of course, coming from not having used the camera. As far as the uh, rest of the specs you get, um, the OnePlus Nine series is probably the best out of the three, just because it's kind of merging what you get between the Pixel Six Pro and the Galaxy S twenty two, and enhancing the specs you get on the on a Google phone, but with none of the overhead of a Samsung Galaxy um series phone so with that that's kind of why the pricing and all of that falls in between the pixel and the galaxy s series for the OnePlus phones is because you're kind of getting the best of both worlds um the difference or the issue now as far as a personal recommendation is up until the one plus eight i would always recommend the one plus devices because you get as close to the stock android um, look and feel and ui as you could but with a lot higher specs than you would get on a Pixel phone and definitely higher specs than a Galaxy S phone but with a better price than the Galaxy S line. You are going to pay more than a Pixel phone with the OnePlus but you are paying for the extra specs. So I say up until the 8 series just because um, even with the Android 12 update I imagine that the 8 and the 9 series UI are going to look or be updated with the Oxygen OS 12 UI which now is um basically continuing to match what you get with the galaxy s series ui um, called one ui and they are integrating a lot more of their own apps like a steps counter calculator and um, various other software like that Um, they did announce that with oxygen os 13 they're looking to go back to stock because i guess Enough people complained about their the UI, the merger with ColorOS, and the generally botched update to Android 12 and the various issues that they've been getting with it. So if I was to recommend a device right now, I would still go with one of these three devices just because with the Pixel 6 Pro, it's meant for your, not to say average user, but your regular day-to-day user. You take pictures, you check your email, you play some... Uh, regular games like card games or you know Candy Crush or things like that Um, but I still have some of the other features like a screen recorder the the UI is great um, and very minimalistic and you generally just need a phone that works gets regular updates for a few years and is not bogged down with extra software that you do not use. If you are more on the higher end side of things and you want uh, more um, feature rich phone with things like a customizable camera with pro mode, um, better hardware for more advanced gaming, whether it's through Stadia or various other games um, that are out there for more high-end action RPGs and things like that. I recommend going with the OnePlus series just because you are paying a little bit of a premium over the Pixel 6 series phones, but you are getting um, very little extra software. Um, with the Galaxy S series, you are now paying an high, even higher premium, but you're getting a compl- a more complete, I want to say, um, ecosystem, I guess, with all of Samsung's various um Apps and software and all of that, and it's kind and it kind of does for, uh, for Android what Apple does with iOS on the iPhone. Um, so if you're looking at going between an iPhone and a Galaxy S series, then the specs and hardware, UI, and all of those things are pretty much in their own different cams so while you're not going to get a stock ui interface on the galaxy s series you are getting their series of apps and you it is kind of an investment into their ecosystem so for me recommending Any one of these phones, and also to round it out as far as gaming and things like that, the Galaxy S series is also powerful enough along the lines of being comparable to the OnePlus series, where you can play some higher-end games, you have enough RAM, and the display quality is good and all of that. So comparing just the Galaxy S series and OnePlus, each has its ups and downs, but their specs are nearly equivalent, um, so while... The OnePlus devices have higher other hardware like more RAM and things and um, processing power and things like that. The Galaxy S series has a bigger camera, um, better um, brightness optimization, and uh, more storage options. So, like the Galaxy S series, you can get up to a one terabyte of storage. With the OnePlus 9, you get up to 256 gigabytes. With the OnePlus 10, it's kind of a weird thing this year just because um in the us or at least in the global version of the phone you can only get eight gigs of ram and 128 gigs of storage while the chinese version you can get up to uh, 12 gigabytes of RAM and I think 256 gigs of gigabytes of storage supposedly more storage options are coming soon Or more phone options are coming soon So for me, it is kind the OnePlus 10 Pro is kind of a downgrade from the 9 Pro So that's kind of why I'm focusing more on the 9 versus the 10 Because it is comparable to the Google pixel Pro and the Galaxy s20 or Galaxy s22 and that actually to me That's kind of why OnePlus is um, always generally been resilient as far as their release schedule just because even though that was the earliest phone released in 2021 the pixel 6 pro having been released in the second half of 2021 and the galaxy s 22 having released in the first half of 2022 they're still kind of playing catch up as far as being compared to the one plus nine pro so it's kind of a lateral transfer so if you kind of want a current OS you're not you will, you could switch to those phones but you would miss out on things like um and as far as the Pixel 6 Pro compared to the OnePlus 9 Pro, with the 9 Pro you can record your screen or gameplay in up to 2K 60 frames per second on Android 12. Um, Android 11 you can record up to 4K 60 frames per second, but then on the Pixel 6 Pro it only records up to 720p, so one of those things that's a trade off. So that's why I say the Pixel 6 Pro is there for your regular everyday users. But the price point on the three phones, um, you can get kind of equivalent phones at around that $800 to $1,000. But as you start uptaking on your price closer to the $1,000 and higher, I would move my recommendation over to the OnePlus 9 Pro or the Galaxy S series. You don't necessarily have to use any of the pre installed apps from One OnePlus or Samsung. You could Uninstall some of OnePlus's um, apps, for example, disable others and use the ones available in the Google Play Store, which is what I do. Um, I don't know on the Galaxy S series what you can uninstall and what you can disable, but... Essentially, there are available apps in the Play Store for many of those apps, you know, like the Calculator, Calendar, Contacts, and things like that. So if you are switching between devices, that's kind of the recommendation I make. So it's easier to not have to worry about which apps are available and which ones aren't because the apps you do install are available in the Google Play Store and not tied to the device. So if I was to make a recommendation, I focus more on the price point because each manufacturer has a device that will fulfill your needs at each price point, except for the Google Pixel. Even the Pixel 6 Pro, once you start getting into some of the higher storage options, you start spending the same amount of money, but the features are equivalent among the three devices. Um, Personally, I stick with the OnePlus devices just because It does offer a good mix of as close to stock UI as you can, uh, stock Android as you can get now, even with Oxygen OS 12, but still have a better um, hardware integration and better other features like your um, scrolling screenshot, uh, better video um, screen recording quality, Um, and. Various other integrations and things like that with the Galaxy S22. For me, it's always generally just been a more bogged down system with their pre installed stuff, but mostly, and that's also mostly because I don't use any of their software. So, um, hopefully, for me with OnePlus, while I am disappointed and not as thrilled as I could be with the um, Oxygen OS 12 update. Um, I am leaving some hope that OxygenOS 13 returns to some of the stock Android roots and we get a more pixel UI versus a Samsung UI with the OnePlus devices. So it's less bogged down as you can, or basically as minimalistic as you can get with as um, more extensive hardware as you can get um and in various other things like harder access to the shelf and things like that with um oxygen os 12 make it that much more disappointing font sizes are all over the place and things like that which is why i would also recommend the pixel 6 pro or the galaxy s 22 at the as of this recording just because with the pixel 6 pro you get a consistent ui and with the galaxy s series you get there even though it's one ui and not stock android you get a um, consistent UI and a progressively updated UI in Samsung's image over the years that's the one thing even though you, whether you like them or hate them for their Android skin they've remained consistent over the years in pushing their Android skin so at least they've been making updates they've been, remained consistent the look and feel is there and it remains unified over all these years so at least you know what you get with OnePlus with this recent change it's I understand what they were doing to merge the code base with color between Oxygen OS and Color OS, but that takes away from the stock Android look with that Oxygen OS is known for. So with that being said, I don't I can't recommend one over the other over another, but the three, these are, I would recommend any one of these three phones. If you are looking to get a flagship phone, I definitely recommend any one of these three and going with the price point that you are comfortable with. I still maintain personally that the Galaxy S series is more expensive than the other two than what it's worth, but because of the marketing and investment in their UI that they spend, that money makes sense. But I would otherwise recommend if you. If that's not of interest to you, or you don't really care about some all of their pre-installed stuff and apps and things like that, then go for a OnePlus device. But if you prefer their consistent messaging and hardware support and things like that, then go for a Galaxy S series. But as far as minimalism goes and basic cell phone smartphone usage, go with a Galaxy or a Pixel Six Pro. And if you want the merger of both sides, then go with OnePlus. So. With that being said, let's jump into this week's Star Wars segment.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com slash
2: ACAST. So with this week's Star Wars segment, there really isn't too much I have to talk about. Um, The biggest news for me is that I got a notification that the Vader comics issues 23 and 24 which I believe are the final issues in the Vader comic run have been delayed to June so I'm not sure quite why that is. Um, If I was to speculate it would probably be because there's something in those issues that ties directly to the um, Kenobi series. So. From what I can tell, the comic takes place between the time of Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So when you're reading the comic, and then I guess if there's an overlap with the Kenobi uh, TV series, which takes place during the same time, I'm guessing there might be spoilers or there might be some sort of resolution or interaction that they don't want to spoil for the TV show or might happen in that premiere, so they kind of don't want to have that overlap, so... That's my suspicion. Um, realistically, probably it's one of those things where maybe the publisher can't get them done or they want, there's some issues with getting the published, the comics published by the original May deadlines. So either way, they've been pushed out, so there'll be a little bit of a delay there. Um, Otherwise, on a more personal note, I did decide to start replaying Knights of the Old Republic 2, the Sith Lords. uh, Mostly because I was doing a little bit of reading to be curious about um, Mitra Surik, the exile and protagonist of the second game. And I guess she's supposed to be the female clone of Revan, but um, basically she was, she rose to the rank of general during the time of the Mandalorian Wars and and the Jedi Uprising, so I figured I would give it a play and play it from that perspective, essentially make a mimic of the Revan character, but for Knights of the Old Republic 2. So I've started replaying the game and the videos I've started uploading on youtube at youtube.com slash n one they're also being shared on twitter at n one and i started the playlist so you can follow along with my progress. I'm still upgrading and leveling up all the characters individually, but I'm also taking the point of view of leveling them up in the hopes that I'm able to turn them into Jedi. So um, essentially, like the very each player, I'm ensuring that I level them up, regardless of a computer and repair parts and things like that, to have critical strike or flurry or things like that so that um though they're already set up for that sort of stuff and i can give them more of those stats later in the game rather than starting them off with blasters and then not being able to level them up in in any sort of hand-to-hand combat so that's all there is for that not really too much to talk about in the star wars front this week so let's jump right into this week's review So I am continuing to have my usual weekly watch-throughs for Halo and Picard, so nothing major to say there except for they're continuing to get better and better. I did um, watch the latest episode of Halo, um, and I would recommend watching it. It is one of the best um, episodes so far. Uh, Picard is also continuing to be a good story arc, so I can't wait to see how they round that out. Um, Same thing with Moon Knight. Good episode, um, I guess. I still need to round it out to see how the series ends before I make the final judgment there. Um, I did make a few episode progress in um, Discovery Season 4. It is kind of still generally like Fear the Walking Dead where some episodes are good, some are not. Um, But there were a couple of good episodes in there and I'm kind of wanting to watch the rest of the season so we'll see how that rounds itself out but on a related star trek note um the 4k director's cut of star trek the motion picture is streaming on paramount plus so i decided to give it a wash to see how it Um, differs from my memory of the movie, if it makes it any better or worse. I couldn't really tell if, or that being said, I couldn't really tell if there were any deleted scenes or added scenes or anything like that, but a lot of the shots felt like extended, um, panoramic shots of, you know, the enterprise in space and the wormhole, approaching the V'ger entity and things like that so it really still feels like a super extended version of a two-part Star Trek the original series episode where the first half is dealing with the threat of the entity and then the second half is finding out what it is, landing on it and discovering what V'ger is. So overall it is still pretty slow. I mean I guess it's a good jump into the film side of Star Trek, but overall it's still pretty skippable. I would recommend jumping straight to um Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Um but as far as the visuals go, it did look nice, I guess. It's still pretty eighties or whatever it released as far as like the wormholes things go, the um when they jump to warp and that effect and things like that, so the visuals are okay. Audio is fine. They do have you know stereo and Dolby um, audio on it now. Story is okay, but this time around, it got me thinking to how ha- if it's possible that V'ger is a- actually had a run in when it was out, you know, going across the stars for three hundred years. If it had a run into with a Borg or could potentially be the origins of the Borg just because they were trying to better themselves and um they realized as a computer that they needed the human element and that's why it was focused on merging with the creator i ultimately settled on the idea that V'ger ran into the Borg and the Borg realized that just as a sole technological entity was limited and it needed to merge with an organic life form and or but because they didn't have any information on earth or humans or anything like that um the borg of where whichever sector visual was in sent it back to finest creator to merge with humans and send the data back to the Borg as far as dealing with that quadrant um my general memory is that the whole thing with the introduction of the borg in star trek the next generation was that Um the human quadrant was not was either below the Borg's um radar just for lack of technological advancement and not really wanting to assimilate them, or they were on their way and it was gonna take them forever and Q decided to accelerate that progress or process. So with this V'ger's idea of merging with humanity kind of settles that the data was sent back, and this and while humanity wasn't on the Borg's radar as of the original series and the events with V'ger by the time the data got sent back that's what caused the Borg to want to visit the human section of or the human quadrant of space and that's why they started going in that direction depending on when they got that data so um in general Star Trek the motion picture is really only a good story for me because it raises the questions of how it could possibly have been the basis for the Borg story arc in Star Trek The Next Generation. Beyond that, it's an average um, original series two-part episode arc with finding V'ger lost among the stars along the lines of kind of, and I guess the Wrath of Khan did it better to progress what we saw with, I think the episode in the original series was called Space Seed and dealing with the eugenics wars of the 90s and 2000s or whatever it was so but so i guess to that extent the star trek the motion picture raises a question about the borg and then star trek the next generation answered that question while they didn't necessarily tie them together well in that aspect or actively didn't want to um make that connection that's kind of where it feels like they tried to go with settling the Borg and not having to cross cast the original series cast with the next generation. So overall if you like the movie, definitely worth a watch for the quality of for the video quality and audio. If you didn't like it, it doesn't really feel like it got improved that much with the director's cut, but if you're a completionist also then give it a watch that way. So that's all there is for this particular review. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback or anything like that you can comment on this post on twitter at patel one the website is Reviews for past episodes subscription links supporting the show and all of that good stuff but thanks for tuning into this particular episode and until next time